Thank you for pressing play on episode 144 of A-Sides. I'm Andy, and this is a very special episode for me. I spoke with Calico Cooper. I've seen her band several times at Rascals and Moline. Also saw them perform at the Christmas Pudding Show a few years ago as well. She's very involved with the organization that Christmas Pudding supports, Alice Cooper's Solid Rock, and also she is just very down-to-earth, funny, and friendly. It's like night and day between her stage persona and talking to her on this episode. I almost felt like we were even best friends by the end of it. Hopefully you enjoy this episode as much as I did. So huge thank you to Calico, and huge thank you to everyone that listens to A-Sides. Look, it's rock and roll! And cue music. It's not snowing where I am, so I'm solid. It's like two degrees here. So. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> that sucks. Well, I mean, it does. This. I'm a I'm a snow person myself, but got overruled oh, yeah. in Southern California. So huh. what do you want to talk about? Got a new record coming out, a um, bunch of stuff like that. So, yeah. I thought I would start off, I guess, with, um, even though it's going back to like last month, like the Christmas pudding so that's like obviously really big for um, you and your family because it supports Solid Rock. I saw that you volunteer yourself there, or at least you have in the past. Yeah, I do. That's Solid Rock has been a thing that's been going on for, I mean, it was a, a dream of my parents since about like 20 years. They've been trying to get it off the ground. Yeah. And really only in the last like five, six years have they been building, you know, centers for these kids to go to because most of uh most of the arts programs in schools are cut and so my parents were like well i mean that was their joy that was our joy as kids and so what happens is is if there's no after school programs kids just get involved with whatever is the easiest which is usually the people hanging out outside of the school going hey man you want to do this run for me or hey you want to like we're, we're hanging out and so if they have a place and a class and a, a place to report to and people they actually want to be around, they're more than likely to do that. And then they're more than likely to tell their friends, hey, you should come with me. Like, this is fun. And not only are you learning guitar, but you're learning guitar from Steve Vai. Like, <laughs> you know, and it's this opportunity that I think my parents saw to have really great um, artists and celebrity friends and and things have this direct access with these kids that, that they wouldn't normally have and the funny thing is a lot of these kids don't know who some of these like super famous painters are or or dance teachers or actors or whoever it is um and they're learning from these people and it's such a great opportunity and they're opening more and more they, they'd love to do them all across the U.S. I feel like kind of their motto is like every city needs a solid rock yeah 
And when I go and I volunteer, it's so wild. Like, I don't know if you've ever gone back to like your junior high for whatever reason you'd had to go pick up a brother, sister, nephew, whatever. And it's weird to be there and be like, wow, this is like, I would have loved to have had this. Do you know what I mean? Because these kids are doing art and 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 music on a scale like my brother-in-law Diego um runs the audio program at the Mesa one and he um he's teaching these kids how to engineer like that's almost trade school it's it's unbelievably yeah. cool and they're sending him beats in the middle of the night and he's a great example of somebody that works there who's not not this like super cookie cutter like oh, I'm a Christian and nothing bad has ever happened to me like these people are people that like just want to help kids and it's any, you know, any race, any sexual orientation, everyone is welcome. Everyone is welcome. And they really press that everyone is welcome. And I've just seen it have amazing results on kids. Like I go to the Christmas pudding every year and watch them perform, whether it's the dance or the art or whatever. And I'm going, you know how you go, Oh, that's really good. And you're like, Oh, wow. For real, I'm watching it going, damn, that's really good. Yeah, those kids, like, because they do the Battle of the Bands, like, with the proof is in the pudding thing. And, like, I've been out there, I think, like, like six times now. And those kids that have the uh, bands, they're, like, legit good. I know. Yeah, I was going to prepare yeah. to be like, oh, that's cute. And yeah. I'm sitting with my brother and my dad, like, watching them, them do, it's like, the third or fourth round. And... I think they saw that I was a little surprised and he's like, no, they're like actually good. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Or even uh, like the soloists. I think they've even added more now too, like where there's a male and a female vocalist and then the dancing stuff too. It's kind of like yeah. blown up. Well, that's such a great, you know, sign of, of healthy growth is like, I think in any, in any competition, when you have to add categories, it's great yeah. because it just means that there's so many that it's impossible to pick a talent or a winner. You know, how do you compare apples and oranges? This guy's painting with his feet and this girl is, you know, it's, it's singing into a glass bowl and it sounds like, so they had to create all these subcategories, <laughs> but it's great. And I think, um, you know, especially this generation grows up watching the voice and watching all these competitions. And for me, I see this like, this light in the dark of a kid that watches that on TV and goes, that's never going to be me. That's not, it could never be me. like, I'm not that talented. Sure. I can sing, but I can't, I'm not Jordan Sparks. Right. <laughs> but the first time you win something or you get past a certain thing, or you're told a little bit harder, try a little bit harder next year or do this or do that. It's like, you feel like you're in the mix. You're not nobody. You're not invisible. Like I almost won this year or I, whatever it is. And I just, yeah, I see the like kids outside, like warming up and running in place. And I go, they don't feel invisible anymore. When you were a kid, did you always want to be like a performer? Is that something um, you had aspirations for? Yeah. I don't, I think uh, you, you kind of, at some point you have that decision made for you until you get to be an age where you're like, you know what, this is not for me. Like your parents can force you to play piano until you're like 12. And then you're like, I'm playing soccer. I hate piano. This sucks. But my parents were obviously they're they're both artists. And so for me, you know, I was doing theater and dance and all that stuff since I was could speak. And so by the time other friends of mine were doing other things, like, 
oh, well, we're doing this and we're doing swim team. I'm like, I'm too busy for that. And so like, I got so into the art. I'm glad they did. I wonder sometimes if I would have gone that route, but I think it's, um, at this point, if I was really crappy at it, I'd be like, perhaps we should have looked at that. But I think <laughs> I knew that like, you know, I, uh, I enjoyed performing really on any scale. Might've been in the cards. Yeah. Well, I've seen you perform a few times and yeah, you're like uh, almost kind of scary up there how you get into it and like swinging around that bat and stuff like you're kind of like you own the stage too. Well, I appreciate it. I think um, with any character you're allowed to create, like when I do film and television in yeah. LA, you get past a bunch of auditions or, or whatever and then you get the script and you have to sort of fulfill the person that wrote it or the director's idea of, of who this person is. And, and that's a skill set and I, and I can do it, but this is really the first time that somebody handed me a blank canvas in a language that I spoke, which was music and said, here's the music. Who's singing this? Who's, who is this? And, and it was just a blank slate and sort of this character sort of came to me. Sort of like a, a transformer, you know, there's like pieces of my experience with, you know, touring with Alice and then pieces yeah. of myself and pieces that are angry about this and pieces that are arrogant about that. And there are all these like things that are not necessarily like acceptable in real life. Like I'm obviously not that person, which is disappoints people sometimes. They're like, oh, <laughs> I really was hoping for a little scarier. Um <laughs> but is it I put this to you is it scarier that I don't need to prepare for that like in a snap I can do it and this is who I actually am or somebody that's like that all the time oh. I think it's scarier when a person can pay their bills it's a little more American psycho like I can pay my bills and I love kids and puppies and then a drop of a hat that's who I become <laughs> <laughs> I wrote down like a lyric and it's like a line that I liked. It's like, I think it was from the third album, Solitary Rave. They pay me for my evil so I don't take it out on you. <laughs> Is that something you wrote? When I yes, so the songwriters, this is such a great collaboration. Um, there's three people that have known each other a long time. And it's me and Chuck, the other guy from Bisto, and his wife, Lindsay. And so we've known each other since we were, I mean, Lindsay and I were in our early 20s. That paid me for my evil, so I don't take it out on you. It was basically like, that That came from a conversation we had in a bar where I said, man, I'm glad that I have this outlet. And she was like, well, what do you mean? And I said, well, if this is what's coming out of me when you when you open the doors, I wonder how long it would have been before I went into like why women kill, you know, <laughs> I think, I think it's interesting. Right. Like, I think uh, like, and so she was basically saying like, like, well, I'm glad somebody's paying you to do it then rather than you just being like, well, that's it. I'm done. So, and it does, it really helps. Like I find sometimes in the middle of like a two month tour, 
you know, things are still happening at home. Things are still happening in the world. And like a person in a, in a normal nine to five situation has to sit there and go, I got to go to the gym and run it out, or I'm going to go drink, or I'm going to go do whatever. And for me, I get to put on this war paint and behave in a way that it's weird. It's never out of control. Everything that I do is very much in the palm of my hand. Like it's never like messy rock star, like I'm going to knock things over and spill drinks, whatever. There's no loss of control. I want everybody to know that all the things that I'm doing, even if they make you uncomfortable, are a hundred percent on purpose. And that makes it even more uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually was going to ask you because I kind of was jumping all over, but they let you because you came into Bisto, like I think after the first album, right? So I sang on the first, the, oh, okay. the idea was, well, the idea was, is that this is like the greatest train wreck of all time. Um, the idea was, is that I was going to do background vocals for Chuck's side project, right? Yeah. He's like, oh, I'm going to do this side project. And I said, sure, no problem. So I ended up having an injury, like filming, and I, I broke my ankle and I had to get this like whole like ankle surgery, whatever. So it came time for me to do the lyric, the the background vocals, and we were recording at Tommy Henderson's house, who's my dad's guitar player, and they had to wheel me in, right, and like bring the mic down because I was in a wheelchair, and I did all the background vocals yeah. there. At the time, I had just picked up a couple of TV shows, and I just stopped touring with Alice, yeah. and things were really starting to kind of happen for me, like in film and television. So Chuck assumed that I was not going to want to tour with a, a side product. He's like, you're not going to, your background vocal, you're not going to want to do that. And so without asking me, he just figured that he was, he'll just get somebody else to do it that okay. was less busy. So he asked my best friend, Tiffany Lau, who was doing the nurse stuff for Alice. Yeah. We were, we looked so much alike and we've been friends for years. I was like, I think if we trade places here, nobody's going to know the difference. <laughs> so um, we had her like do the, the do the touring thing. And so at the end of the day, I remember I got the record I saw and it said vocals and keyboards, Tiffany Lau. And I was in the Burbank airport. I called him. I was like, and I just let him have it. And that was the beginning of a beautiful relationship because I was like, I want to tour with this. I think it's cool. And as a matter of fact, I think we should create characters and I think it should be this. And I think it should be that. And he was like, damn, okay. So then he was like, I'm sorry, my bad. And from there on out, we sort of reconfigured Bisto to where it was like this heavy metal comic book, Sonny and Cher type of thing, rather than what it had started off with. The music was there. The music was cool. Yeah. But my argument, and maybe this is like an eternal Cooper thing. There's a lot of cool music. There is. There's a lot of cool music. And and what, you know, and so I just said, if this is in my DNA, the and what is where I come in. I'm like your puppy with my loyalty. She makes me do it, do it, do it, do it, do it again. For the high I'm waiting. Make me do it again. She wants the honey, all the honey. And so I just said, let's create this world. Let's create this planet. And um, and we did. So I was on the first Beastar record. That's all my background vocals. I think it's me and Lindsay. And then the second record, they, like every record you see me creeping up. Like, yeah, yeah. A little more. And this one that's coming out, we're announcing it at the beginning of February. 
So we'll do a big announcement. We'll do the title and the whole nine, but I'm really excited. It's so cool. We did the record in Germany with the guy, Chris Harms from this band called Lord of the Lost. Oh, and um, okay. a lot of Americans don't watch um, the Eurovision. Like before I knew it was an actual show. I thought it was just that Will Ferrell movie. It's a show. It's like the original America's Got Talent, but it's like yeah. the planet's got talent. And um, Lord of the Lost was represent uh, representing Germany. And they're this glam, like kind of slutty glam band, whatever. And this guy is great. So he took Bisto music, really put that Euro sort of like metal to it. And so I cannot wait for people to hear it. It's, it's, it's still Bisto, but it's definitely like, oh, my. Yeah, because like that's cool. Because you guys, like, I know that you guys go over to Germany and like tour a lot over there. And I guess you had a live album recorded over there. Yeah, this band, Beasto has been kind of the recipient of a lot of grace as far as like for being. Um, you have a band like Alice, and then everybody has their their things that they do, and they don't call them side projects because really, they're not. They're passion projects. They're things yeah. that they're good at. When Bisto started, uh, I'm not sure what it was supposed to be, but because I don't work there, this is my thing, right? So now it's like, well, where is Alice in all of this? Nowhere. Just a dad, right? They're like, well, how come he's not on the record? Because I don't want him to be. And not that nothing against his talent, but I think Bisto exists in a world that Alice doesn't exist in. We're in a, it's like a, a, a fantasy world, right? Yeah. And maybe one day the two will meet mano a mano and face off and we'll see what happens. But yeah, I just think he's given enough to me and in like inspiration and and just what's possible that um, it never really came up. I know we, we did covered Frankenstein and at the beginning we were doing schools out and I just kept going, guys, this feels not it. I was like, I feel like we have enough songs. I feel like we're doing enough. And together we kind of all went, yeah, I feel like it is. And we do not have a bigger fan than, than him. There's a picture, which I absolutely love. Um, the first time he ever saw us live was on the Monsters of Rock cruise. And I'm standing up on this uh, podium and there's smoke going up and I'm pointing out at the crowd and he's backstage behind this thing. And you just see him going like this. That's <laughs> <laughs> the greatest <laughs> But um, yeah, so we ended up doing this tour in Germany because Chuck was in a bar in Nashville and met a guy who's like, oh, I'm in this this German band called the Berse Uncles. And he's like, oh, that's nice. The thing that America doesn't know about the rest of the planet is that there are bands bigger than Taylor Swift all over that we just don't know about. Man. Like, we just don't know. And they they play... 50,000 seat arenas, three nights in a row. And you have never heard their names here. And so one of those bands is the Bursa Uncles. Chuck ended up making friends with this guy, sending him the stuff. And he said, we would love for you to open for us and we're thinking oh great i googled it and i was like it's like rammstein these massive arenas and like i'm going well that's not the part that scares me the part that scares me is there was a rumor that ended up being true 
the uncles fans are so diehard that anybody that goes on before the uncles, their only job, the fans only job is to get them off the stage. And <laughs> there have been big bands that had just flat out said, I'm done. And so right before we go on stage, I can hear them already like angry, whatever. And they're, you know, like it's the beer cans are crushing, getting ready to go. And I just made a choice. I'm it. Right. And I slipped into sort of that the character that I play. And I don't know about energy. I'm not really into like the whole like oogie boogie thing like that. But what I can tell you is I just decided in that moment that all of these people belong to me in the palm of my hand. If I say sit down, they're going to sit down. If I say stand up, they're going to stand up. And I don't know how Delulu you have to be, but I did it. And I was like, okay. So I came bursting out of the thing and I went blank and our set was only 30 minutes, right? But it's 50,000 people. And I didn't hear anything. I didn't, I don't remember any of it. And at the end, we are Bisto Blanco, blah, the things explode. And the next thing I remember is being backstage and being like, did we live? (laughs) (laughs) And they loved it. The crowd loved it. I think because to see a woman, it's a fine line, like unapologetic and not afraid, but not, not necessarily using sexuality. Like, Oh, don't throw things at me because I'm hot. Right. Mine was do it. I'm like, tear you. (laughs) And like, and they believed it because I believed it in that moment. Now, mind you, if you look at me weird at the grocery store in real life, I'm like, what did I do? But (laughs) in that moment, it was fine. I'm over in Illinois and you guys play like rascals up in Moline. Oh God. Yeah. Kenny, man. Yeah. So um, I've caught you guys a few times up there. Rascals is the craziest thing. Speaking of rascals, we did the, the German tour where we did the record live from Berlin. Yeah. Um, Those guys were so cool. The uncles that they agreed to give us the board tapes to make a record because they liked us that much. I was like, Oh God, thank you. But we went from doing those like, the Mercedes-Benz Arena, three nights in a row, right? We got on a plane, flew to Moline, <laughs> and played Rascals the next night and had just as much fun. It was a lot easier, I'll tell you, like physically covering an arena stage and trying to like, you know, cover all bases. It was so great to, to be in front of, you know, whatever, 100 people that was smashed in like that you know and actually seeing faces and and seeing reactions and it just felt like a like a punk rock gig it was really good i love yeah. that venue i love kenny and julia they're the best people yeah because isn't that uh kenny like he does your uh, tour manager uh kind of stuff too doesn't he yeah and again like i don't even know the story here but like he ended up tour managing us because you cannot shake this guy. And I don't know if it's being a bar <laughs> owner in, you know, in Chicago, yeah. but like this dude, like I'm talking about, he's having full on contract negotiations with people that don't speak the language. And he's going, all right, buddy, all good. We'll figure it out. Like the <laughs> calmest guy in the store, that's the guy that you want with you when everything goes to shit. He goes, well, 
let's figure this out. Right. And, and he like, yeah, he's, he's like the Valium for a very high energy group of people. So we're very lucky to have him participating. Even the first time I saw you guys too, he actually drummed for you guys. Cause I think one guy couldn't make it. Our yeah. drummer at the time, this guy named Tim Husung, yeah. who has a great band called um, Tim Husung and the Bone Shakers now. <laughs> he um, he was drumming for us and he got flew all the way from Germany, landed, and the passport agent was just like, no. Hmm. And he's like, what do you mean? And she's like, no. And he goes, what? what? She's like, are you working here? He goes, honest he goes well i'm playing shows but i'm not getting paid because that's how we have to do it Hmm. right and he agreed and so he goes i'm not getting paid and she goes "Mm -mm, i don't believe you and he goes i'm telling you i'm I'm doing this because i i want to be i'm visiting friends i'm going to play some shows but i'm not getting paid and she didn't buy it sent him right back to germany so we're in a panic a complete panic and kenny goes i think i can do it and we were like Kenny, we had no idea. I mean, we knew he, he was a drummer, but like it was semi-complicated, this stuff, right? And so he's like, no, I, I think I can do it. And it's like the most rock and roll story ever. Kenny, the owner of the place we were playing and the new guy we just met, learned the Bisto set. We were up all night at his bar on, on stools, just going through the show. And now, mind you, it's not just a show. There's so much happening that if he looks up for a second, you're distracted because there's so much. Ha- so he just... Head to the grindstone, and I think he played like ten gigs with us. Amazing! Yeah, <laughs> did a great job. Yeah, like you guys always put on a good show, and it seems so like flawless. Like, um, you wouldn't even know that he wasn't part of the band. Oh man, oh man, yeah, it's like the image. Beast is like the image of the the duck on the pond, where like on top you just see like the floating, and underneath it's like shit. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but there's something that I wanted to ask you about. Like growing up, because I was thinking about this for myself. Like when I was growing up, my family always had dinner together at like five o'clock every day. But mm-hmm. like your family, you're like very, I guess, non-traditional. Like like your dad might have been on the road for for months at a time. So I was just wondering, what kind of traditions did you guys have when he was at home? I think that's the the secret sauce, right? Is that when you do have traditions in an unconventional situation, they become so important, right? Mm-hmm. So like, you know, my my siblings and I were never in a position where it's like, dad, abandon us because we have so much access to, you know, we could go at any time if we wanted, but mom was at home. She decided to like further her education, open a dance studio, like, so she was busy, but we had like very strategic, like bed at 9 p.m., we went to public school, not private school for on purpose and like involved in like after school prep. Like it was very like whatever. And then on these big holidays, we made a big deal of every holiday or celebration. Right. And I did not know that was weird until I started dating mm-hmm. seriously. And then like my boyfriends would come over and be like, why are you guys making such a big deal out of this birthday or 4th of July? I'm like, because. (laughs) So that kind of is funny enough, the secret sauce that's like, does make us pretty traditional is like, we go all out for, if somebody's in a play, right? Everyone goes front row, t-shirts with the face, 
right? Like it's a, it's a huge deal. And so we we really celebrate, I think, more than like the average family non non celebrity things like you know congratulations on getting your all your parking tickets paid let's go to dinner like <laughs> but we do and and like um we make such a big effort to be there for each other and um you know the Alice Cooper machine is something that is it's so big and it's such a um it's such a freight train right and it can't stop yeah. and it's been going for so long and so fast and so intense that like we've all sort of figured out what our our roles are in it and our healthy roles and we've all come to the understanding that this train can't stop so what can we do uh besides be frustrated or bitter or like it's my birthday like nobody we sort of grew up knowing okay if my birthday is may 19th and he's gone on june 12th when he's home we're having a calico mom double birthday in mexico like so it was never, it's like a makeup thing, but it was like, you almost looked forward more to the alternate, yeah. right? And because of that, like, you know, now I celebrate anniversaries when we can celebrate it, right? I celebrate birthdays when we can celebrate it. And I think it's like a tradition almost to make a huge deal of everything. Yeah. But when I, I got the ankle surgery I was telling you about, Everyone in my family came to LA. It's an ankle surgery. Like I get it. Like I'd never had surgery before. The waiting room had nine people in it for my ankle surgery. They tried to send me a bill for $9,000 for waiting room fees. I was like, ma'am, <laughs> that's not happening. But it was my mom, dad, brother, his wife, my two best friends, like everyone was there. And I'm going, this is the result of really committing to when we're there being fully available and fully Man. there well that's awesome <laughs> i always ask about favorite albums and stuff so what kind of music like did you grow up with were you like did you have your own taste away from rock music yeah definitely yeah. i um, i never really went through a music rebellion like insofar as like you know kids like i listen to metal or i listen to whatever because screw my parents um that really wasn't an option for me. Um, and my parents love music. They love all kinds of music. So it wasn't really like anything was going to shock them, right? Yeah. I really fell in love. You know what you get like about 14, 15, right? And there's popular music. And then you kind of figure out like like where you, what your thing is. Um, I got bit so hard by the pop punk bug that it's like <laughs> hysteric. Like... I'm glad I wasn't didn't have access to a tattoo gun because I would have gotten like Blink 182 for life on my forehead. But I love pop punk. And then I, I dabbled as I got older. It started turning like into the darker like sub sub genres of pop punk. Like I really started getting into Alkaline Trio and like the darker pop punk stuff. Who's Those guys are from Chicago. I love them. But yeah, sort of like the darker pop punk. What, like AFI, I think? Is that kind of... Yeah, I mean, that was that was still even a little... Like, I loved AFI. I, my husband and I just went to the When We Were Young Fest, which, worst oh, name yeah. for a festival ever, but it was 
awesome. Like I saw the lighter, funner bands, like, you know, like Yellow Card and things like that. But I think what I loved about that genre was um, the music is is like fun and and poppy. And then if you turned off the music and you listened to pop punk lyrics, you're like, girl, like it's heavy, like Motion City soundtrack. Okay. Like that's some of the most like goodness lyrics I've ever heard where you're like, oh, wow, I can relate. And like, yeah, so I really fell into that. And my parents were like, it's cool. You know, it's, they, they didn't have an issue with it, but I feel like I've drug that into Bisto. Cause when, when I came into Bisto, it was very much like swampy, you know, sort of like bluesy, whatever. And I love that. Um, grind and death rattle is, is all that stuff. And on this record, I definitely took some pop punk hooks and like, just sort of dragged those in there so <laughs> but it sounds great i love it but yeah it, it music wise i got into that and then i got really into like the lilith fair sort of like late 90s um riot girl thing oh oh i got way into that <laughs> yeah real real angry ladies <laughs> this would have been my tour yeah what was that like uh who is that? Like the little spare. Now I'm drawing a blank. Like uh, well, the one lady that like... does all the sad dog commercials or something. Oh God, Sarah lady? McLaughlin. Yeah, that yeah. lady. Again, again, what we know about her, like on the surface is like the sad dog commercials. The rest of her music, like Tori Amos, her, Fiona Apple, all that stuff. The songs you know are like very commercial. Yeah. Alonis Morissette, the songs that are the B-sides are the one where I'm like, I need a minute. Because you just plugged in a microphone into my chest and said what I can't say. And like, that was the beginning of like, I didn't know you could communicate that way. So I just really got into that too, as a teenager. Yeah. But I still go back and listen to those records. I'm like, yes, Melissa Etheridge, yes! <laughs> That's awesome. So um, I've got another question about that with music. Um, what was your favorite album of this past year? Ooh. I was um, actually, you I go. told my girlfriend that I wasn't going to do this, but when I was making notes yesterday, I was going to ask you, so what's your favorite song of 2023 and why is it Ryan Gosling singing uh, Matchbox 20? <laughs> because, well, A, because you're right. Um, <laughs> no, I think uh, I went with a group of men to see, uh, you know, Barbie. Yeah. And. I think that that's such a cultural moment of we all, the women all, all knew got the joke, right? We we're like that whole scene. Yeah. And I'm looking to my left and my right and every guy is getting it. And he's going, and I went, Oh my God, they get it. They get it. So um, it is, that is probably my favorite moment or the single tear. I cried the first time I heard, what was I made for? I was like, okay, well, she did that. So that was incredible. Um, but I would say, okay, have you ever heard of the band Highly Suspect? Yeah, yeah. So Highly Suspect put out a record this year. I think it's called, it's called the Midnight Demon Club. Oh, wow. You can make somebody sad, right? You can make somebody angry with music. It's rare that I listen to a song and I go, is it hot in here? Like, what happened? Um, there's a song called Caught on Fire. Hey, we both don't know what we 
like this record, The Midnight Demon Club, from beginning to end is the songs are in the right spots, his emotion is in the right spots, and it's tough and it's sexy and it's like oily and it just gave. It gave everything that I feel like at the time, whether it was just like a me thing or a world thing, I highly suspect I love anyway, but this record was just like good. If you have not heard The Midnight Demon Club, I'm not suggesting it's a special adult time record, but I'm not not saying that either. Oh, <laughs> um, well, I wrote it down because that album, it must have escaped me. It And, and again, yeah. I, I highly suspect has been a band that like the first time, God bless, you know, music streaming for this reason, it goes, hey, if you like Alkaline Trio, you might like Highly Suspect. And I go, all right, whatever. And I'm listening to it. And it was like the scene in like Indiana Jones and Temple of Doom, like my face melted. I was like, <laughs> what is this? Choice of words, key, everything. It just, it it was giving. It was giving to me what I need. Well, <laughs> I've got another like random question I was going to ask you too, because we were talking about Bisto and uh all the uh props how do you how do you come up with like your uh costumes like or who do you even go to like who designs that stuff for you it's really a couple of people provide the base because i'm not a seamstress i'm not a a a clothing creator like as far as like quality goes so i'll buy my base pieces from uh hazmat design who also does like rob zombie and alice and all that stuff the pieces are so solid and junker designs who do like motley and all that stuff so the pieces are solid for me to build on um but then i do all of the war medals and bells and whistles and things that light up and and whatever i build those oh cool Uh, so you kind of like frankenstein it from a bunch of different things yeah and if you look there's like so many easter eggs if you look from the beginning of Bisto, nothing ever goes to waste. So like my very first costume was like this like zip up um, bodysuit with this huge black hood. Now that is on one of the cyborg robot girls that's in the back. She wears all my old clothes as almost like a statement of like, these are the women that I've been. And I just keep like chrysalising and coming out as someone else. And I leave all of those behind. So like every tour, there's another mannequin in like frozen in the state that I was in the last time you saw me. Oh, cool. Cool, man. So some people yeah. get it. They're like, oh, what, isn't that the thing you wore in this video or that video? And I'm like, yeah, I love the idea of like, you know, when those butterflies come out, they leave behind the shell. They leave behind what they were wearing, essentially. Yeah. So it's like all these mannequins on stage have like the spike bra and the zip up hood and... um. And I write messages all over them, like as above, so below. And like, so you just are watching this like ascension of whatever I'm going to end up being. It's cool that you're evolving that while like the music itself evolves. Cause like you said, it's kind of changed from, it kind of started out almost like motorhead ish or something. And then even like the solitary rave song is like way different from the start. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. And I think like, I don't know, there are certain bands I want to listen to. That you want it to be that the whole time. Like, I mean, nobody is Rob Zombie. He yeah. is him. Like, that is when I put on a Rob Zombie record, you know what time it is, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> that's Rob Zombie time. I don't want a Rob Zombie ballad. I just don't. Because, and I mean, he could do it and I'd probably love it. But like, 
I'm there to run on the treadmill. I'm there to kick someone in the teeth. Like same with Motorhead. But I think Bisto has the dynamic uh, to be able to put our foot in the water and be like, well, what do you think? And so on all the albums, we have put on, you know, a ballad, even though it's dark and just kind of sat back and was like, are people going to like this? And they love it. People are like, oh, Dark Matter is so good. Or like, you know, whatever, um, Down, people love Down. And we don't normally do them live because it kind of kills the the freight train, like I always yeah. say. Who knows, you know, if, if we do bigger arena shows, I would be way open to having that dynamic of like just slowing it down and making you just like focus on that uncomfortably and then bring it back up. Like I, I'm a dynamic queen. I love it. <laughs> you guys did kind of do, I think you reminded me, I missed out on it, but you did do like an arena thing in America. Didn't you open up for Hailstorm? Yeah. Yeah. That was yeah. really cool. That was like, the cool part about that is Hailstorm and Palais Royale, who yeah. I really dig. I think those are two bands just like Bisto who um, are just solid. Like they're, they are not flashes in the pan. They're going to last the test of time because these are people who are in that bus every night, pounding the pavement, putting out new music, will not be deterred, putting their like voices, bodies, minds, like pushing it to the max all the time. And so that was such a great trio to go out because there was not a single rotten egg in the bunch. Everyone every night was ready to just like burn those sheds to the ground right and we did and i i loved watching them perform and we all got along but like that was a great crowd because it was significantly gen z like gen z millennial right and they just respond differently than like you know you're older i think we're a little edgier than some of the classic rock crowds they'll come to see it thinking they're gonna see alice and they're like right or the younger people that think it's going to be like, you know, some like scream thing. And it's not that. So finding our audience, that was a great audience to perform for because they were ready for what we presented them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wish I had seen that tour because it would have been, it would have been, like you said, it would have been badass. It was like, good. I, it was really good. Yeah. I think there was, I think at that time you guys did something at i want to say like at rascals you showed up and you like previewed some of the tracks for the album at the time or something. yeah we played because we were playing the arena in chicago so we weren't allowed to play anywhere yeah. else kind of like contractual and so i think we stopped by we did like a drink night and we yeah. were just playing some of the new tracks that were coming out but yeah that's always going to be rascals is going to be a place that sort of like our cheers you know we're always <laughs> going to end up back at rascals yeah some things that you like to do what are hobbies you have away from music or away from acting like what does calico do for fun this is gonna be so and so annoying so sorry in advance um oh no that's cool it's it is a job right like doing all this bisto stuff and acting and then things like that but it's also like a passion mm-hmm. and so i'm in a theater company in LA run by uh helen hunt and richard gilbert hill who are these amazing actors obviously and when I'm not touring and doing Bisto stuff, 
I am drowning in a deep dive of Shakespeare and, and Stanislavski and the things that they're teaching there. Like I pour myself fully into it. Like every Thursday night we have a reading, like a play reading on zoom and all these wonderful actors that you've seen in every show ever all get together because it's also still a passion, even though we get paid for it sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I, I adore that. And then I think uh, on top of that, like, when I'm not doing something like that, the little minimal other time I have are those big celebrations with my family. So it's like, there's really not a lot of ton of downtime if you're that passionate about Bisto and you're that passionate about like the theater company and acting and TV and film. And then like my family, I have a handful of friends who are like ride or die that are so low maintenance that they make me want to like make plans and spend time. So we never do anything normal. It's always like, okay, guys, there's a Lord of the Rings laser tag happening in Orange County. We're going, right? <laughs> so it's a pretty full dance card um, with all that stuff. But I'd say if I do anything for myself, I got super into, um, are you on TikTok a lot? Do you know anything about it? Uh, no, so but I think I have... get the reels and stuff on Instagram. Right. So there's these subgenres, like whatever you're interested in, let's say it's like baking, right? So you're a part of baking talk. And if it's books, you're in book talk. Huh. Um, because that's the videos they're gonna feed you. So, you know, I was the Harry Potter generation and the Twilight, like the fantastic book series that like took the world by storm. Over the pandemic, I started reading these novels that were like these fantasy super spicy but like dragons and fey warriors and whatever and i'm like i'll just read it over the pandemic girl I, mm -mm. I got about 17 books in and i'm now a sci-fi romance novel girly so i'm reading a book right now called daughter of no worlds i finished the akatar series like they're turning that into a tv show i'm i'm a, it's a problem i walked out to my pool when I finished, um, there's a book, a series called Crescent City. And I finished it, this chapter. My husband's out by the pool and he's cleaning, right? And I came outside. I haven't cried that hard when people I know die. I was snot crying, right? And I went and I sat by the pool and I put my feet in and he goes, oh my gosh, are you okay? Are you okay? And he's got his hand on my back and he goes, what happened? And I, <laughs> I was trying to tell him, I just read the saddest chapter in a book I've ever read. He was pissed when I tell you he was, he thought somebody really died and he was like, it's okay. What happened? Do we need to go somewhere? And I'm like, she died for her friends. Like, I was like, <laughs> and he goes, who did? I'm like the girl in the book. And he's like, Oh my God. I'm like, no. So yeah, sci-fi <laughs> romance novel, girly reporting live. <laughs> Oh, awesome. Awesome. Uh, that's uh, like, I never got into like the Harry Potter books, but that's one thing that I had as a family tradition was my grandma and I, we actually went and saw every single Harry Potter movie when it came out. I love that. Yeah. That's so great. I mean, that's such a great tradition. Like, was it like about Christmas or just whenever you guys got together? Um, it was no, like when the movie came out, we saw it like that like weekend. And then she was always like, like, well, I got to live long enough till the next one come out. And I was like, Grandma, don't say that. Don't say that. 
But then it continued on from like, uh, so she actually read all the books, like the Harry Potter books. And so I just saw the movies with her. And then it kind of turned into Hunger Games after that. So we went to all those. I know a lot of people that do over Christmas every year, their families do the Lord of the Rings um, viewing. So like over the holidays, when you get home on like the 20th or whatever, like it's just a Lord of the Rings marathon every year. Uh, So many families that do it. And I had no idea. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, Like my parents could still for that long, but yeah. (laughs) I just do the, uh, what is it? Christmas story. Like the 24 hours on the TNT. You have. See, our yeah. tradition, we watch Scrooge every year. Oh, yeah? Because it is yeah, the best Christmas movie ever, <laughs> arguably. But in our family, you know what time it is when the la, 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 starts. We're like, it's Christmas. <laughs> um, so I got one last question for you. What are your goals for 2024? Obviously, the new record's going to come out. You're going to announce it. But then anything else? Yeah, um, there's been a lot of time and creative stuff being put into this record. I did basically what Beyonce did for Lemonade, like, but on, you know, on a rock and roll budget. So we're calling it Crystal Light instead of Lemonade. But (laughs) I decided to do a, um, a video for every song. Oh, damn. And that was championed by the label, but definitely financially and time-wise and mentally had to come out of my brain basket. Uh, So we are releasing the first video when we announce the record, and then we'll have the second follow-up single, just like most. But for the other nine songs, I made videos for the nine songs. And so they're set to roll out one at a time. I just wanted to try it. And everyone is different. It's not just guys playing instruments. We're in different worlds. We're in different... And the game is trying to figure out how all of these tell a story and they do, but I'm just interested in if people can put it together. And so, yeah, so that's all coming out. And that's just been like half a year since last year, putting all of this together and we're getting ready to drop it in February and like all that will come out, but that's going to be a majority of the time. Um, But now that all the SAG strikes and everything is over, um, you know, I'm a creature of habit. I'm a person that loves to be on a series because I like going to work at 5 a.m. every morning and knowing my stuff and and going and doing what I love. So I would love to, just putting it out in the universe, I would love to be supporting this record and touring all year mm-hmm. and simultaneously having that series regular job and getting to come and play a character, you know, and 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 flushing it out as the series goes on you know with my love for sci-fi fantasy i always have my eye open for like the new sci-fi fantasy shows that are coming out and um you know always dropping emails like hello i don't know if you know who i am but i know who you are (laughs) (laughs) and i'm not a terrible actor so hire me well that's awesome like i am i'm really looking forward to seeing all those videos i am so excited for people to see them truly because it's this was something where they took my water wings off. Nobody told me no for anything. And they couldn't really because, you know, you're mostly financing it yourself. Yeah. And and so I just said, I want to do this. And I know it's so much extra work. And I know people. I'm calling in favors from every corner of the universe. But 
I'm finally seeing footage and video and songs that I'm going, that's it. That's what was living in my head that maybe like labels before that we were on were like, mm, that's a little much, or that's like a little, I remember somebody told me once of the video that we're going to premiere, true story in February, I pitched it to the last label for a different song. And the guy looked at me and he goes, you want to shoot a video in, in outer space, make it look real, right? On a spaceship, a full set, you want to spend how much? And I told them. And he laughed at me and he goes, you let me know how that goes. So I will when it comes out in February with our new yeah. label. Who's amazing. I'll let you know exactly how that goes. <laughs> so did you like direct these two like behind the camera or um, is it like um, wrote, all hands on? Wrote, yeah. directed, made the costumes, made the sets, made the special effects, wrote the music. I mean, obviously with with Chuck and the gang, but uh, it took all hands to make this happen but as far as like from brain to screen yeah but i couldn't have done it if if, no, if not everybody yeah. stood behind me and said go for it what do you need from us there's physically there's no way i could have done it but everybody was so on board you know all the guys in the band these are musicians right and i'm asking them to not just act but be good at it yeah right and they're listening to me and they're doing fight sequences and you know taking falls and exploding things and, and, you know, letting me like gash their faces up and, and they're just going with it. And I'm so grateful because I, you, you don't run into that kind of willingness daily, but that's Bisto, yeah. you know, like our, our credo is kind of like, if I am, then we are. So it's like, if I am doing well, then we are doing well. If I am, if I am struggling, then we are struggling, you know? So yeah, it's definitely not a, it's not a monarchy. <laughs> That's awesome. It's got to be such a good feeling for you then. Um, it's like it a is. culmination of all the, everything that it Bisto is. is. I mean, you create something in any capacity, you know, even with, with the Alice thing, like that was such a great place to learn. But I also learned this world was created before I came along. So I can add here and I can suggest here, but like I said, this train is going this away. And so a lot of suggestions are things that I thought, oh, this is like, would take this in a new direction. It's like, hey, listen, this is the way. And so I learned humbleness and humility going, but that's a really good idea. And they're like, it is, but that's not what this train is doing. And I'm yeah. like, oh, okay. So now you switch over the track to Bisto and all of a sudden I'm driving this train going, anything anything <laughs> oh yeah well hell yeah i'm excited for you to see it i can't wait to hear what you think i'm excited to see it and hear it and everything and then like see you guys live too oh yeah it's happening it's yeah. all all coming together a thousand emails a day about putting tours together yeah. so all right well thank you for taking the time out fortune yeah. fortune we were supposed to speak yeah um well thank you you're so welcome uh yeah. say hi to your girlfriend i will all right, tell her she was right about the Ken thing. Well, no, I was right. She just said, well, like, I don't know if you should go down that road. Maybe she hasn't seen Barbie. And I'm like, uh, like, well, it's the biggest movie of the year. Like, she's probably seen it. I, yeah, I, so. it was more of a quiet, um, just watching it going, oh, someone said it. Someone said it. <laughs> so it was really good. I loved it. Yay, girls. I'm a, I'm a ladies lady. 
Um, all right. Well, have a good night. Thank you. All right. You too. Have a good one. Said I don't know if I've ever been good enough. I'm a little bit rusty and I think my head is caving in. And I don't know if I've ever been real in love. But him that's touched me and I feel like something's got to give. And I'm a little bit angry. Well, this ain't over. No, not here. No. Not well, I still need you around. You don't own me. We might change, yeah. Yeah, we just might be.